Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. You know, bringing up the topic of Afghanistan these days can be a catalyst for heated discussions and argument, even though few of us have personal experience on the ground. Joining me now, though, is someone who does. Sergio Barrera is currently a Ph.D. candidate in economics at the University of Minnesota, a parishioner at Our Lady of Lords in Minneapolis, and a Marine veteran who served in Afghanistan in 2011. Sergio, it's an honor. Thanks for joining us on the program. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, wonderful. And I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Well, um, let's uh, let's go back to uh, your service in Afghanistan. Um, when when you first found out that you were going to be deployed to Afghanistan, what what feelings were going through your mind and heart? Ooh, well, that's an interesting question. Um, for me, I suppose like most people. I was, I mean, there was a whole range of feelings going on. I mean, of course, there was a little bit of fear. There was a little bit of um, of uncertainty because it was just, you know, you had never, I had never been in a war zone or a situation like that. Sure. But I would probably say the feeling that probably predominated the most was that this is what I was supposed to be doing at mm. the moment. And that's what I felt like I was meant to do at that time. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess just to give a little bit of context, um, by the time I deployed to Afghanistan, that was my third year in the Marine Corps. I had already spent two years learning a foreign language because I was a linguist in the Marines. And the language that I was assigned was an Afghan language. So okay. I spent pretty much a year and a half uh, learning about the cultures in the Middle East, learning uh, a foreign language spoken in Afghanistan, learning about the history and the people of Afghanistan. And even when I got to my unit, um, I got sent to another foreign language training to learn another Afghan language. Okay. So I had already spent about two and a half years pretty much just getting the skills necessary to go to Afghanistan and make myself useful for the mission there. And so in that respect, I was sort of ready and excited and ready to do my part for my country and do my job as a Marine. Sure, sure. Now, I assume that in all your language learning going on that you had met and perhaps interacted with Afghanis here in the U.S. before you were deployed? Uh, yes. So my language instructors uh, for my Dari course, which was the first Afghan language that I learned, um, they were all Afghan-Americans. Um, and many of them had left Afghanistan uh, with the invasion of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And so they spent a lot of time really trying to teach us about Afghanistan and about more than what was just going on now. So we did spend a lot of time learning about the Taliban. We spent a lot of time learning about the war with the Soviets. But they also stressed to us the history of the people of Afghanistan and what things were like before the wars had even started. Because Afghanistan has been a country that has been at war for for a really long time, for about 40 years already. And it wasn't just us. I mean, before we were over there, there was a civil war after the Soviets left. And then before the civil war happened, there was the the war with the Soviets that happened. And so a lot of our instructors really wanted to to just drive home the point that it wasn't always like this over there. 
And they told us a lot of harrowing stories about, you know, when they made the decision to leave the country and how difficult it was. I still remember one of my professors um, going into great detail about how he had to walk from his village up in northern Afghanistan to to the border in Pakistan. That way he can leave the country and find safe haven and and pretty much apply for refugee status. And I just remember being, you know, really impacted by that. Um, just because, you know, it just sounded like a terrible situation. But at the same time, you know, it was a situation that was also very similar to the situation around the area where I grew up in the United States, which is in Arizona, right along the border, where, you know, ever since I was a kid, I remember hearing these stories of these people attempting to cross over into the United States and walking miles and miles in the deserts just to have a better life. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So once you did actually arrive in country over there, um, tell us a little bit about your your impressions as you started to get to know the people, the culture, uh, and as you started to, yeah, well, take it on board, I suppose that you're that you're there, you're there in person, uh, interacting with these people that you've been training for, as you said, for so long. Yeah. So, um, I mean, for me, there was two different there was two different experiences that I had. Um, the first was my immediate responsibility, which was my job as a linguist, and my primary job was to be an intelligence. So I did a lot of intelligence work, and because of that, I worked with a lot of Afghan interpreters um, because, realistically, even though we had learned the languages over there, we were not as good or as familiar with the language, the customs, the slang <laughs> that that native Afghans were. You know? sure. So yeah. a lot of our role was pretty much to look over the work that they had already done. And so we largely depended on them, right? So, I mean, when it came to, like, the intel work that I did, I spent, like, seven days a week pretty much shut in a room the size of a closet with about five or six Afghans and maybe about two or three other Marines. Okay. And so I became really close to these people. And, you know, I really admired them because... A lot of these people, some of them were Americans um, who had lived in the United States and then decided to come to Afghanistan when the war started. Um, but many of them had been over there for for years, right? So this was 2011. This was 10 years after the war had already started. And a lot of these interpreters were telling me stories about how essentially the room where they were in with me was kind of a step up because they had started working with ground forces, going on patrols, going to rural areas, more or less living like like if they were in the infantry, but just providing translation support and cultural support to American forces and British forces that were in the area. So I just remember being really impressed and thinking, <laughs> you know, at the time, like everybody's like thanking me for my service, but I'm only here for like a, for like months and then I get to go home. And these people, they've been here for like, for either their whole lives or for yeah. 10 years at this point with no plans of going back. Right. You know, they had a mission that they wanted to accomplish. And that was, in their words, to make Afghanistan a better place. 
Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. experience that I had was um, because I was a linguist, they also tasked me with training a lot of the Afghan soldiers. And so me and another friend of mine, we trained about a squad size of, of Afghan soldiers to pretty much do a version of our job once the mission was given for the Afghan National Security Forces to to take over our job. So we spent a lot of time just going over to their side of the base, interacting with them, teaching them like, you know, radio wave theory fundamentals and even just talking and even going on, on a couple of missions with them. And so that was a really interesting experience too. And it's one of the things that I think I'll always take with me for the rest of my life. And it's, and it's almost just symbolic too of the whole experience. Like yeah. on our side of the base, it was barren. It looked like Mars. <laughs> there was nothing really growing over there, and yet we had all these like high tech like equipment, these camps, like these tents everywhere. It was just you know nothing but barrenness and technology and then when when I went over to the Afghan side of the base, it was like you know I had thought that Hellman looked like Mars, but then when I went to their side of the base, there was like water flowing and trees and grass and even though like their equipment and stuff like that wasn't as as sophisticated as ours it just looked more organic and more naturally lived in and it was just you know a very interesting contrast and i think that was kind of one of the things i took away the more and more i interacted with these with these afghan soldiers was the contrast with their way of life versus our way of life in the united states okay yeah so uh, as you as you saw that the differences in ways of life, the obviously the many cultural differences based on what you were exposed to here and and what you were exposed to there. Um, well, let me let me just ask you the faith question. What is this doing to your Catholic faith within you as you're as you're encountering all these things? Well, I had, I mean, of course, this had been something that had been developing over time. Um, at least my Catholic faith at this point. Um, I mean, just to give you a short summary of it, I mean, I grew up in a very traditional, like, Mexican-American family. You know, Catholic piety was in our blood. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, any time anything bad happened, we would talk about, like, oh, I'll well, just do a novena for Mary, or just pray the Hail Mary a few times, and Mary will take care of us, you know? Okay. So, right. like, we, you know, we just sort of, like, breathed this in when I was a child. But like most people, like right around the time I went into high school, I sort of fell away from it, um, stopped practicing that much, you know, started trying to more like actively fit in towards like mainstream American culture. So, I mean, I started falling into this idea about how like maybe my parents' Catholicism was like superstitious or something like that. And it's like, that's an opinion I no longer hold. Like I very much nowadays value (laughs) that I was raised in that kind of environment and Mm -hmm. still take a lot of that with me. But, you know, as a teenager, you just kind of want to fit in. And so, you know, being religious is not so much a very popular thing in very many circles, right? Right. So by the time I joined the Marine Corps, you know, my Catholic faith was like very weak, you know, but the seeds were, were being planted, um, everything from like going to mass at boot camp to meeting other Catholics while I was in boot camp and, and stuff like that. 
But I think one of the things, and I've been thinking about this a lot, especially um, with the recent turn of events, mm-hmm. I do have to credit, you know, learning about Islam to my return to my Catholic faith. Interesting. Um, yeah, tell us about that. And the reason, and the reason why is because, um, you know, I've always been a fan of history, you know, and I've always been a fan of like stories and you know mystery and things like that and when i started learning my my language courses and learning about afghan culture and to a certain extent iranian culture too um i was very struck and almost impressed with how much religious sentiment was just a part of the culture in the middle east and in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember just being fascinated hearing about, you know, the differences between, like, Islam and Christianity, or hearing about the Ramadan fast, sure. or, you know, even, like, the phrases that my instructors would say, right? Like, they would say things like, Inshallah, all the time, like, right. God willing, right? right? And the name of God was, like, in almost everything that they did. Even their their goodbye was... Koda Hafez, which means God protects. But the thing that was very interesting about that was that it was very similar to the type of Catholicism that I grew up with, right? So, like, like Inshallah, we have a, a similar phrase like that in Spanish uh, for, like, God willing. And even our, our word for goodbye, adios, means, like, go with God, you know? Right. So, in a sense, there was something familiar about it And the more and more I became interested in learning about Islam, the more and more I sort of felt a hunger to go back to my Catholic roots. And what I saw from, like, when I was in Afghanistan, from a lot of our Afghan Turks and from a lot of the Afghan soldiers, the way that they just naturally lived out their faith, right, to them, there was no no secular religious distinction. It was all together, Hmm. you know? And that was very attractive to me, you know, because I had always been taught, at least growing up in America, outside of my home, right? Because in my home, it wasn't necessarily like that. We freely talked about God. We freely talked about the saints. We freely talked about devotions and things like that. But in American public life, it was like you were sort of taught that there's this distinction between your faith, which is a personal matter, and your public life, and you sort of keep your faith private while your public life is supposed to be neutral, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I saw these Afghan soldiers and these Afghan interpreters just kind of, you know, they had no problem talking about how their duty as soldiers to protect their country or to protect their family was also their duty towards God, you mm-hmm. know. And that, I take that with me, in a sense of the way that I want to live out my Catholic faith. You know, I don't want it to be something that I live out separately, that I only pull out of my drawers on Sunday when I go to church. You know, I want to be a well-integrated Catholic where, you know, the secular and the religious meet, because God is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Sergio, a lot to think about, and what a great testimony to the effects of uh, being there in Afghanistan. I and I have, I mean, I haven't even really gotten to the the meaty questions yet. So we might have to have you back on here because unfortunately we're running out of time, uh, and so 
I know that uh, you have um, you have written an article in the Catholic Spirit, so I just want to mention to that for everybody who's listening that uh, they can just go and search for your name, Sergio Barrera, there in the Catholic Spirit website at thecatholicspirit.com. And, uh, and look up your article where you go into a lot about what Bishop Cousins was just talking about here on the program, about welcoming the stranger and some of the things that you found out that way. But in the meantime, Sergio, I'm afraid we have to say goodbye, but a lot of good stuff to chew on. And uh, we are so grateful for joining us and so grateful for your service. Thank you for serving us and, and our country and also God himself as you uh, put yourself out there for the good of others. God bless you, Sergio. God bless you, too. All right. Wow. What great stuff. So great. Uh, and yeah, maybe we'll see if we can have him back on there sometime soon. All right. But it's time now for our next break. On the other side of it, the director of the Archdiocesan Office of Worship, Father Tom Margavich, is with us to tell us all about the upcoming Candlelight Rosary Procession. So stay with us. Stay with us. 